Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, we're going to take a break from Jude this morning. We've got two more uh, sermons and two more weeks in Jude and the next two weeks that are ahead. But this morning, we're going to pause and really turn our attention and our focus to Luke chapter 22 as we think about the Lord's Supper this morning. Many of you are familiar with Mount Rushmore. Uh, Mount Rushmore is a national memorial in South Dakota. It's often associated, it, it's, it's kind of thought of as one of those patriotic symbols of our nation. And in, in the mountain face of Mount Rushmore is sculpted four faces of four former American presidents. And a lot of people don't know how those presidents and how those faces were chosen. And they don't know that they were actually chosen for a reason. Because if you go to Mount Rushmore and you look at those four faces, if you understand why they are chosen, what you understand is that each one of those four former presidents represents a significant part of the story of our nation. Uh, four major aspects of Americans, America's story, like George Washington was the general of the Continental Army and our first president in his face on that mountain represents the birth of our nation. Thomas Jefferson was the author of the Declaration of Independence and our third president. He presided over the purchase of the Louisiana Territory, which is where we are standing right now. You say this is Arkansas. Yes, but it was part of the Louisiana Territory, the Louisiana Purchase. And, and, and so it doubled the landmass of our nation. And so Thomas Jefferson being on that mountain face represents the growth of our nation. Abraham Lincoln is there to represent the preservation of our nation because our 16th president led the United States during a time of civil war and it was his leadership that allowed the nation to preserve after the war. Theodore Roosevelt, our 26th president, represents the development of our nation because he led the nation through a time of tremendous economic growth and foreign achievements. And so I've never been to Mount Rushmore. I've never been there. I'd love to go there one day. But it seems that you can learn a lot just by going and understanding what those four presidents represent about the story of America. You could go there and see it and observe it, maybe read some of the plaques or listen to a, a tour guide. In each of those four faces, you would find tells uh, a, a piece of America's story. And that's one of the reasons why it is so uh, precious to our nation, not to mention it was quite, a, a, quite an achievement to be able to carve those faces into that mountain in the first place. But, but as, we, as we get ready this morning to take the Lord's Supper, I want to remind you that the Lord's Supper is something that we do as a church, and it's something that others even can watch us do. And as we go through the motions, and as we do it, it tells the story of God. It tells us the story of Jesus and as we get ready to take the Lord's cup this morning we will do so as an act of worship and and, and as we do that we're going to be reminded of 
many things that are associated with our faith and with what we believe, especially as we dive into Luke 22 this morning. We're going to see three reminders of the Lord's Supper, three things that the Lord's Supper reminds us of in Luke 22. We're going to start in verse 14 and read to verse 20. Luke 22, starting in verse 14. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, This is, take this, I'm sorry, he says, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after the supper and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. It is shed for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the cup and the bread. But Father, not for the juice or the actual bread that is in those cups this morning. But we thank you for what they represent. The body and blood of Jesus. And God, I pray that this morning as we, as we get ready to worship you here today as we dive into your word father that you would remind our hearts of these things that uh, father that are so evident about our faith that we see here in Luke 22 God we pray in Jesus name amen all right so we're in Luke 22 right here we're talking about the Lord's Supper and what the Lord's Supper reminds us of the first thing that we see here is that the Lord's Supper reminds us of what was. It reminds us of what was. It says, when the hour came, you say, well, what is that, what, what is that hour? What, what's the big deal about the hour? The thing that we call the Last Supper that we see here in Luke 22 was, was the last Passover meal that Jesus participated in with his disciples. And it was the last Passover that happened before the crucifixion of Jesus. You see, the Passover feast was a religious ceremony, a, a meal where as they consumed the meal, they consumed certain foods in a certain order. And, and as they did so, it told the story. It told the story of the Passover. And many of you probably remember the, the story of the original night of the Passover from the book of Exodus. If you remember, God had promised in the book of Exodus to redeem His people from the bondage of slavery. So He told, he told Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. As you read the story, you realize Pharaoh didn't take to that very well. He didn't receive that command with grace or humility. He flat out refused to obey the command of God. So God brought upon Egypt, under Pharaoh's watch, he brought upon Egypt ten plagues in that land. And the tenth and the worst plague was the plague of the death angel who would come 
across to every household and every in every household in Egypt the firstborn in every household would be killed they would die the tenth plague was the night of the first Passover of course God told the Israelites about this coming judgment and not only does he tell the Israelites about the coming judgment he he explains to them how to escape the judgment that was coming to the Egyptians he told them to go and to get us get a, a spotless lamb sacrifice it and then after they sacrificed it they were take the, they were to take the blood and mark their doorposts with the blood of the the sacrificial lamb and so when the when the death angel come to pass through the nation to pass over uh, to pass through Israel they would see the blood on the doorposts and the lentils of those homes and the death angel would pass over and that household would be spared by the blood of the lamb in a very real way during the Passover the real blood of an actual lamb that was sacrificed saved the Israelites because it protected them from this certain death the Israelites were saved from the plague by the application of the blood of the lamb not only did God institute this Passover in the event through the event not only was the event institution but he instituted a commemorative meal that they were to take part in they were to teach future generations about they were to observe every year they were to do this meal and so when verse 14 in Luke 22 says when the hour came he reclined at the table and the apostles with him what that means is it was time for them to worship God by observing the Passover meal in the specific way that God had lined out for them to do. So the Passover meal is a very important thing. It's very important. As we look right here in Luke 22, we're reminded of, of, of what was. The, the Passover meal is a, important for a couple reasons. Number one, the Passover event in Exodus and the commemorative meal would foreshadow, remember what was the Passover about? The blood of the lamb protecting them from the death angel. And this would foreshadow, folks, the sacrifice that the lamb of God would make, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he would make on the cross of Calvary where the spotless, the sinless lamb of God was provided by God and is God and, and he would shed his blood on that cross not just for the sins of a nation but for the sins of the world and it foreshadows the fact that if the blood is applied to the doorpost of your heart then you can be saved from the wrath of God by the grace of God it's an amazing thing we think about we think about just the heritage of our faith and after the Passover they were released from Egypt the Israelites were released from the bondage of slavery released from Egypt and eventually they would be free not just released from the bondage of slavery but now free to experience the promises of God because you remember where were they going when they exited out of Egypt they're headed towards the promised land now you know the story, you know it takes them a while to get there, but that's where they were free to go. 
It reminds us that when the blood is applied to your life, not only will you be spared from the punishment of sin, but you will receive a reward. And that reward is nothing we deserve. It's a reward that only Jesus deserves. Redemption from sin, reconciliation with our Creator, to be made clean, spiritually clean and free to enjoy the promised land of eternity. Of course, you know the story of the Exodus and after, the, after leaving Egypt. And, uh, you know, of course, they were chased by Pharaoh for a while. But we know that there comes a time that God gave Moses certain laws that he wanted his people to uphold. And that's when God instituted what we're calling the age of the law, the old covenants, what we call the old covenant. It was when God dealt specifically with the Jewish nation through the law of Moses. That involved temple worship directed by priests and sacrifices and and offerings. The old covenant required repeated daily sacrifices of animals as a reminder of people's sin. It was in the old covenant that God established that the way to atone for sin is through the shedding of blood. God establishes that, that idea for us through the old covenant. And one of the purposes of the old covenant was to make it absolutely clear that none of us are righteous before a holy God. That means that none of us are able to save ourselves. It's an amazing thing. We think about it. The picture that the old covenant in the age of the law paints for us and how it sets up what would come through the ministry of Jesus. So when Jesus says, I've fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This is the, the, the culmination of, of what has been pointing God's people toward the ministry of God's Messiah. It's the culmination of, the, of, of what will become the ultimate expression of Jesus being the Messiah of God in less than 24 hours. As Jesus says these words, he's going to be crucified and his blood would be shed. And so as he talks about those things right there in these first couple verses, verse 14 and then verse 15, we are reminded of what was, what has been. We're reminded of the old covenant and the age of the law, but next we're reminded of what is. What is? What is is the new covenant and the age of the church. Verse 17 says, Jesus took the cup and after saying thanks, he says, take this and share it among yourselves. And he goes on to says, this cup is the, is the new covenant established by my blood and it is shed for you. You know, it's... This last Sunday, we were able to do trunk or treat out in the church parking lot. And I just want to say thank you to everybody that, that participated in that. Whether you gave candy, you came, did a trunk, you just prayed about it, you helped us spread the word about it. It was a tremendous blessing to many in our community. And it was so awesome to see all those little kids coming through, families coming through, doing something normal for a change. It was really, it was really a great time. Uh, you know, one of the one of the children that came uh, at the truck or treat was a little girl, and she was dressed like 
Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. She was so cute. She had the little hair and I mean just the little blue and white checkered dress and the little ruby red slippers. She was carrying a little uh, a little uh, picnic basket with I, I think that that was a fake dog Toto in there. I'm not sure. Uh, it was really still so uh, but uh, but anyway, it was just the, it was the cutest thing, you know, and it reminded me of the Wizard of Oz. Obviously, you know that that movie is considered an American classic. It plays on TV every year. But what many people don't understand, because because we we watch it, and, and I don't know if you're like me, but every time I watch the Wizard of Oz, I think that movie was made in 1939. And I think that was a long, long time ago, okay? And, and so I start thinking about that. But what many people don't realize is that the movie that we watch today is a remake of a movie that was originally made in 1925. And actually, it's based on a book. But I want you to understand that the movie, the, the movie we watch today is a remake of the 1925 movie, called Wizard of Oz. So not the Wizard of Oz, just Wizard of Oz. The original movie was a black and white silent film and it was not considered to be very good. But the 1939 voice, uh, version with all the voices and the audio and the, the, the musical version, the first live action color film is considered an American classic today. Not only was it better than the last movie, but still today, it's still considered today as one of the best films ever produced. In the New Testament, in Luke 22, we see evidence of, of Jesus instituting a new covenant. A new covenant that replaces the old covenant. A, a, a new covenant in which God has, has made a promise God has made a covenant with humanity where he promises to forgive sin and to restore fellowship with those whose hearts are turned toward him. Under the new covenant, no longer are the physical sacrifices going to be required, the temple sacrifices, the actual getting an actual lamb and actually sacrificing it like they did in the old covenant, no longer would that be necessary under the new covenant? We are given an opportunity to receive salvation through faith in God. Salvation comes because God is gracious. He's loving. It's by God's grace that you are saved through faith is what Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. And that is one of the, the key markers of the new covenant. Under the new covenant, it's our responsibility, it's our call to live out our faith in Christ. In the new covenant, Jesus is the only one who has ever fulfilled the old covenant. The new covenant centers around the idea that Jesus was the only one who could actually fulfill the law of God. And not only did he fulfill the old covenant law of God, but he did it on our behalf. And he, he brought an end to uh, the old law's sacrifices because he himself would become the sacrifice for sin. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit of God does not just fall 
on the life of a person or bless a life of a person, but he lives inside of the believer. If you are a believer in Christ, in the New Covenant, it teaches us that you are carrying inside of you the Holy Spirit of God. And we are living today under this New Covenant. The New Covenant, the ministry of God is carried out and expressed through the ministry of His church. Not in the sacrifices, not, a, not, not, in, and not through the sacrifices in the temple. That's why we no longer participate in temple sacrifices. That's why I don't have a lamb up here today. Okay, That's why we don't do that because there's, there's no longer a need. Those lambs those old sacrifices of the old covenant would foreshadow what was to come. But today we're living in the year 2020 A.D. Anio Domini, which means in the year of our Lord, 2020 years since the birth of Jesus, 2020 years ago, Scripture tells us that Jesus came and when he did... Through his ministry, God instituted for us the new covenant. So when Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood, that is what he is talking about. This is a, a changing point in, in Scripture. This was foreshadowed in the Old Testament, but this is the point where it becomes instituted and takes effect. This is what he talks about. And Jesus says, remember, he says, I want you to take this and share it among yourselves. He says, share it among yourselves. We are called, friends, to share in the blood of Jesus. When you take the cup of the juice through the Lord's Supper, it is an outward testimony that you have been covered by the blood of Jesus. But taking the literal cup in this room this morning, that does not make you saved. Taking the cup in the room this morning does not cause you to be covered by the blood. You are covered by the blood when you come to God according to the new covenant, which is coming to God through faith in Christ. The difference is, is that the people, they did not understand in, in the old covenant. They did what they were told to do because of the faith that was inside of them. But the new covenant kind of, uh, kind of clears things up for us a little bit and helps us to know and understand that Jesus was the only one. He was the only one. And if we are saved, we're saved because of the accomplishments, not of ourselves, but of God's holy lamb uh, that is Jesus Christ. If you take the cup with us this morning, it's because you've already been saved by the blood. If you've been saved by the blood, it's because you've come to God through faith in Christ. The Lord's Supper reminds us of what was, the old covenant, the age of the law, what is, which is where we are right now, the new covenant. We're living in the new covenant and in the church age, but it also reminds us of what is to come. Verse 16, Jesus says, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 18, From now on I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. See, after the death resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. Scripture teaches us that, uh, that we will live in what we are calling the church age. And at the end of the church age, 
evil will begin to prevail in the world. And during those end times, an evil leader will rise to power. That leader will deceive many. Many will even proclaim, as he himself will proclaim, to be the new incarnation of the Holy One, Jesus Christ. But in reality, Scripture tells us that he will be the incarnation of the evil one, the fallen angel, angel Lucifer. And even though many in the world will be fooled, guess who's not fooled by any of it? Yet God, Jesus. Scripture tells us that one day Christ will return. And he will defeat the Antichrist. He will destroy evil. And he will establish a millennial kingdom where he will reign for a thousand years. After the millennial reign, Satan and his followers will be forever defeated and God will recreate heaven and earth and, and those in Christ will live forever in the presence of God in a new heaven and a new earth. And it is in the second coming. Jesus comes back to establish that millennial reign that the Lord will be reunited with his church. That great reunion will be celebrated when Jesus takes the cup and the bread again in the physical presence of his people. So as we take the Lord's Supper this morning, we are proclaiming the gospel by commemorating the sacrifice of Jesus in, uh, in, in our behalf. Jesus was sacrificed for us, but we also are acknowledging the overall story of God. The story of how God related to his people in the Old Testament. The story of how God relates to his people now in the New Covenant. And the story of how God will relate to his people in the coming millennial age and what is to come one day. And this morning, all of us in the room really need to answer two main questions. Question number one, are you one of God's people? Are you one of his people? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Have you repented of your sin? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you received him? You see, a gift only does you good when you receive it. It does me no good to give my child a gift that he never opens. It doesn't do him any good. Have you received the gift of Jesus have you resolved in your heart to serve him? Repent, receive, resolve. Have you been through that? Have you given your heart to Christ? If not, right here, you can do that this morning. If you're watching online, you can do that from your living room, from wherever you are. You can do that right here. You pray, confess your sins to Jesus. Repent of those sins. Receive Him as your Savior. Resolve to serve Him. If you'd like to talk to somebody, I'd love to talk with you. You say, we've got to do the Lord's Supper. Yes. But see, what the Lord's Supper represents is the, the, the things that the Lord's Supper represents uh, are, are, are important because of what they mean, uh, what God has, uh, how God uses those things, the blood and the body in order to bring us to salvation. So I would love to talk to you about that. 
But number one, number one is are you one of God's people? Because we're talking about how God relates to his people, so are you one of the people? Number two is this. If you are one of God's people, does your life reflect the walk of one who walks with Christ? Because Scripture tells us we should not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. It is a very holy ordinance of the church, and we should prepare our hearts for that. We should prepare our hearts for worshiping the Lord during that very special time. And so, if you are a believer in Christ this morning, are you ready to worship the Lord with us in this very special way? Are you one of God's people? Number one. Number two, is your heart ready to hear from and obey Him this morning. Let's pray.